Hi, this is Damon Pistolka, host of the Faces of Business, where I talk with interesting people sharing life and business experiences to entertain, engage, build community, and provide information to help others succeed. If you're interested in learning more about one of our guests or how we are helping business owners generate wealth and build businesses they can sell or succeed at Exit Your Way, you can find more information on our website, ExitYourWay.com, or by contacting me directly, Damon at ExitYourWay.com. I hope you enjoy the show. All right, everyone. Welcome once again to the Faces of Business. I am your host, Damon Pistolka, and I am excited for our guest today because we've got Jimmy Burroughs talking with us today about creating better results and happier teams. And Jimmy is a high-performance culture coach. Jimmy, thanks for being here today. Damon, thank you so much for the opportunity to dial in and have a chat. I'm, I'm genuinely excited. Yes, yes. Well, I'm, we're just glad to have you because you know what? It In the past few years, there's been a little extra stress in business, you know, and uh, it's it's always good to kind of think about how you actually keep a business performing at a high level without burning out people. And I think it's a great topic for us to cover today. So let's start out, Jimmy, with your background and kind of how you got into what you're doing today. That is a lovely question. Thank you for the um, for the for the the start. You know, if, if we rewind the clock 20 something years, which makes me feel older than I probably should feel. Um, my first job out of university was uh, hitching a commercial plane to Kuwait and hitchhiking my way up into Basra to catch up with Gulf War Two, who had been at it for uh, for some weeks. And as a brand new, fresh faced 23 year old, my fresh out of training, uh, my first job was working in Basra, resupplying the uh, combat units with wow. materials and ammunition and the like. And you know what? Talk about imposter syndrome out of the gate and talk about a high pressure, high responsibility job out of the gate. But, you know, that's kind of set the tone for my entire career uh, that's led to to where we are today. So in order to get to that you know, hitchhiking trip up from Kuwait City, I had to go through 44 weeks of intensive leadership training at the Royal Military Academy Sandhurst in the UK, kind of the equivalent of West Point, I guess, for, uh -huh. for the US audience. And yeah. when you pop out of the far end of that, you've been, my, my, my partner would say um, brainwashed, I would say transformed into uh, a military officer. And so I had a, uh -huh. a really exciting few years in the military, six years in the military, where I got to do three um, pretty exciting operational tours doing various different uh, convoy protection, VIP protection and force protection roles, uh, and also a variety of sort of training and development mm -hmm. roles. And that's what I, t I carried into the rest of my career. So I um, moved over to New Zealand in 2008 and I set up a corporate HR career. So I did the large organization, internal HR operator, mm -hmm. and specifically focusing in that learning and development, organizational development, leadership, talent, culture, engagement. And for me, it was fascinating to see that when leaders were supported, trained, and developed, their teams were generally supported, trained, and developed. And those teams had significantly higher engagement and outperformed those teams that the leader just was either a significantly awesome high performer themselves, uh, a real talent, 
but didn't know how to convey it to their team or hadn't done some of the groundwork that got the team to come along. So I took that um, through a corporate HR career. And then at about 2016, I decided I also needed to get some operational experience. So switched out of HR, took on a, an eight-figure P&L as a GM and ran uh, a very complex 26-country uh, business, a team of about 45 people, uh, running this organization. And within about three months of being in the job, um, the, the organization had a very significant legislative shift, which meant that immediately 50% of my P&L disappeared and I had to find out a way of getting that back. So $20 million evaporated in, in one decision overnight by the government, which Ooh. was tough. Um, we transformed the operating model of the entire business, how we, can, how we acquired customers, how we um, retained those customers, how we, did how we did business with those customers, and everything was being transformed at the same time. And mm -hmm. do you know what? A lot of people started to burn out. A lot of my peers were yeah. struggling. A lot of them decided to leave. A lot of them were like, what's the point in doing anything because they're just gonna change everything anyway. They were getting very negative. All yeah. of the networks started to fall apart. Nobody was trying anything new because there's other no point where it wasn't allowed and everybody was worn out. And I noticed the same thing starting to happen to me, right? I noticed myself starting mm -hmm. to become a bit lower in energy. My, my, you see, I'm quite peppy. My pep was gone. Yeah. And in 2017, I burned out. And since 2017, I've been working my way back. So it took about six months to recover from from that experience and then built a business which is now i think a pretty successful business mm -hmm. working with large organizations saying to the leaders in those organizations hey do you know what sometimes um burnout is a reality but my goal is to say i'll use my battle scars i'll use my experiences i'll use 20 years in working in the world of leadership so you can stay in work and you can find some practical things that are going to help you to keep earning keep working keep supporting your family keep supporting your team and there may be people in your team who are struggling with the same thing. So we'll also give you some practical tips for that. And that was where my business was born. Very cool. Very cool. So when you go all the way back to the beginning of your medical career, or to, uh, military career, excuse me, just thinking medical on the mind. Um, what do you think were one of the challenges that you, cause I, cause I'm thinking you gotta be like in your early twenties, you're dropped off. You kind of gotta, that you kind of make your way in a very strange land to you. What were some of the things there that you think you've carried through all the way that have, have really helped you dig deep when you needed to? Oh my goodness. Where do we start? Where do we start? Um, my, <laughs> I have a couple of brothers who I went with, with through Santos with, and we still always say that company Sergeant Major Alan Bowen, who was of the Welsh Guards, is still in our heads every single day. Um, and, and one of the things that he always said, and it stuck with me every single day, is that um, it doesn't matter how hard it is. It doesn't matter if you're scared. It doesn't matter if you're tired. Your job is to get it done. So get it done. Ooh. And, and, and this, you know, at a senior leadership level, there are occasions, of course, the world of ambiguity, there are occasions where sometimes it's better to let a dead dog drop and yeah. just, you know, go, that's not working. Sunk cost fallacy. Let's ignore that. Let's move on. Equally, that passion for delivery, that passion for accountability and the passion to get it done 
is something that's carried me through my entire career and has made me successful mm-hmm. because when other people were giving up, when other people were dropping away, when other people were like, yeah, I'm tired, I'm going to stop, or I don't want to do yep. this anymore. I'm like, no, I'm showing up and I'm delivering. And uh-huh. no matter what, and I mentioned to you just before we came on the call, I've just been seven weeks almost back to back delivering every day. And it was like, well, I have to, my job is to get this done. My job is to be good for you so I can serve you and you can get the outcome you need from me. So we get it done. So that probably would be the first one. The the other thing I think that I've learned later in life, but it was taught to me back in my twenties, but mm-hmm. I didn't pay attention. Maybe and, yes. you know, there's a lesson for it. There's a lesson for a time, right? And mm-hmm. it was probably one of the greatest insights I've had in the last twelve months. As a, as my team has grown and my business has grown to the point where I'm not involved in everything anymore, uh, and, and and it's don't expect you of others. And yes, what does that mean? Well, it's the it's the concept that. The reason you're the CEO or the senior leadership team member or the the member of the board or whatever it is, whatever level of the organization you're sitting at, you come with a certain level of qualities and experience and drive that puts you here on the ladder. And when you're dealing with somebody who's here on the ladder and they're not performing like you would, well, there's no surprise there, right? Because they're down here. And when you were down here, you perform like that or maybe a little Mm -hmm. bit better, but you can't expect you of others. And so for me, that learning of patience and tolerance and coaching that and, lead, and, and we act as a essentially executive advisory service for, for senior leaders, saying to them, when you're getting frustrated with your team, when you're getting frustrated with people not delivering, are you expecting the same way that you would do it? Or are you asking and coming back to where they're at down here? Are you meeting them here and you're helping them to climb one rung on the ladder and then keep help them to keep climbing? Because somebody gave you a break, right? Somebody helped you, somebody mentored you. Now it's mm-hmm. your turn. Oh, that's so great. You're meeting them where they're at. And and we t- it's funny because we talk about that a lot too when people are actually scaling their business and they start to bring more people on. You really have to you have to just get away from thinking that I'm going to hire somebody like me. It's going to do the same way I am. And you really have to go, can they do 80% of what I do uh, as good as 80%? Plenty good. Yeah. Just, just don't 100%. try to. And, and, and I, I can't remember who said that quote, but it's, it, I think it was Richard Branson, but I'm not hundred percent sure. Um, he said, hire people better than you and then get out of their way. And I, yeah. I think it's beautiful. You know, don't expect you of others, just hire awesome people. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It really is about that. So great, great learning lessons learned early and then beyond. And, and as you do it, so when, when you're helping people now, well, first of all, let's back up. So how did you really find your purpose in this? I mean, you talked about you were burnt out, but you know, a lot of people wouldn't have said, well, I'm going to go in and do this. What was really your your thing that sparked you to go, listen, I'm going to go help other people not experience what I did or what I, yeah, that's a, such a good question. And, you know, I wouldn't, it wasn't like a light bulb overnight moment. It was a journey, of course. And to to go back to to that moment in 2017, where for me, life pretty much imploded. It was the end of a relationship. It was leaving a country. It was the end of employed, uh, my employed career, um, it was leaving a family behind. And so all of these things were, you know, wow. you're going to have a bit of an introspective moment yeah. when you, yeah. I moved back in with mum and dad at the age of you know, 37 and had to kind of look at myself and go, well, wh- wh- 
what am I going to do with the rest of my life? Like, I can't retire yeah. at 37. I'm, a, the bank balance won't support it. And, and B, I think I've got some gas in the tank somewhere. And so I decided to take myself off to, to do something I'd always wanted to do, which was to travel Latin America. And so I booked myself on a couple of months trip. And I ended up becoming immersed in a digital nomad community, traveling digital nomad community, where we would move cities every month. And they provided the ecosystem, the infrastructure, and we could do our jobs on the road. But I didn't have a job. So I was thinking, well, what am I going to do with myself? So started just talking to all of these traveling nomads and entrepreneurs and would say, you know, how's your day? And how did it go? And, you know, be having a beer at the end of the night. And what are the frustrations that are coming up? And unbeknown to me, a lot of these people were extremely successful entrepreneurs and business owners and business leaders who were just taking some time out because they were tired or they were burned out as well. And often it would be, oh, the border, you know, asking these unreasonable demands, or I'm trying to get this paper done and I've just got so many priorities, or do you know what? There's just no clarity in what anybody wants. And I started to see patterns. I started, to, and, and one of the things I've, uh, I've been blessed with is the ability to spot patterns quite readily. And over time, I said, well, would you like some help with that? Could I, you know, would you like to just throw some ideas around and maybe I can share some wisdom from what I've been through, or maybe we'll get there together? Who knows? And so I started doing that. And then the word got out that there was this ex-army officer, MBA qualified, former GM, who was just basically talking to people and giving them ideas. And that turned into some invitations from some some reasonably large organizations uh, to partner with them and build leadership development programs, um, high potential programs and the like. And then I managed to get involved in the, the world of consulting. And I partnered with a couple of organizations to be a consultant and built programs and, and, develop, and initiatives for, for them. And all of the time as I was going through this, I was still like, oh, leadership development doesn't really cut it for yeah. me. I'm not really feeling like, what's the real problem here? And it always came down to three things. People didn't trust themselves or their team or their team didn't trust them. So trust. People weren't connected to each other. They didn't have a network. They weren't connected into the organization, the plan. They didn't have any development roadmap. And people were purposeless. So they didn't know why are we doing what we're doing and what's the purpose of this? And is there any reason? What's the big why? And so I thought, well, hold on, this isn't a leadership problem. This is a culture problem. Mm -hmm. And I know about culture. I've been building culture in corporate organizations for a while. I've built cultures in my own teams. I've built cultures in various contexts. In, and I've been a traveler for the last 20 something years. I've been to nearly 70 countries. I've experienced wow. cultures in different contexts. So I thought, well, there's got to be something in this. So I started just testing high performance culture, high performance culture. And what can we do to, what does a high performance culture look like? And how does this compare to your organization? What I'm thinking and what you're seeing in your business, what does that look like? And they'd be like, oh, well, actually there's a big gap. And so I would say, would you like some help? And it just turned into a business from there. It almost snowballed. And I probably sat about two years ago and I thought, you know, what? I'm in my sweet spot. I get to have conversations with incredible people at the senior levels of organizations to help them because they're all passionate. They all care. Mm -hmm. They're all really yeah. driven. They want to do a great job, but they're almost getting in their own way and tripping themselves up. So I was like, I get this privilege to go and stand with these people and talk to them and help them have conversations. And it makes a difference to these big organizations. And then I realized I was truly working in my purpose. I also got to just be me. I got to be Jimmy. Mm -hmm. and, and that was a blessing because I think it, for many executives out there, 
they're being something because they think they should be something. Yeah. You know, I was the pinstripe yeah. suit and shirt and tie guy. And now I'm like, I'm the open shirted live in Cabo guy. And yeah. I'm okay with that. And I have a, a lot of value to offer to those people who are a good match for me. Yeah. And I'm authentic about it. And so there's a lot of stress that gets removed from, am I living on purpose when you're just living authentically? Yeah. I'm writing that down because it is, I'll tell you, you can tell hearing you speak about this, that you've found your true purpose, at least now in your life. Cause I think sometimes it changes for us over, over yeah, my years. grapes over time. Yeah. But, um, that is one thing I think even no matter how difficult it is, you don't have the stress of wondering if I'm doing what I really should be doing. And that, that's yeah. a huge regret that a lot of people live with every single day. A lot of but, people are hamsters on wheels or playing yeah. whack-a-mole. You know, they're just trying yeah. to pay the mortgage or, or feed their kids or pay the car payment and they don't love what they do. And yeah. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm lucky and I try and help other leaders get to the same place where we go, this is almost not work. Like it is work because you have to do work. Yeah, but it's fun. Like it's fun yeah. to be in a room of executives who are like, "Oh my god, I never thought of it like that." We should, we should change that. And we're like, "Cool." So what's that going to look like? Let's do it. And that's exciting, right? Yeah, yeah, no doubt. It's great hearing you hearing you speak like this because you could. It comes out. It comes out that you really <laughs> you do, and that's that's what I like to like to see. I mean, because a lot of people can do a lot of things, right? But if I'm a heart surgeon and and I'm really my heart's not into it, it's it's not the right thing. So as you're as you're talking to these these high level executives and teams, you're you're talking to them about uh, beating burnout and and two, we'll talk about your book. This let's talk about your book just for a minute. So your your book, sure. beat burnout and ignite performance. Let's talk about that a little bit. Then I've got a bunch of questions after this. Okay, um, so essentially, when I was building the ways of working program which you can see down here yeah. i always get that yeah. wrong um yeah. we were trying to systematize or framework eyes if that's a word the modules of the program mm -hmm. and we wanted to make it so it kind of made sense to people because with the best will in the world we all like something that you can pick it up and it just works that's why we love iphones you know the simple on the outside yeah. all the thinking is on the inside yeah and so when you're talking to leaders who are working in a highly VUCA environment, in a really volatile, really uncertain, very complex and extremely ambiguous environment, they just don't have the headspace for complicated stuff. Mm -hmm. So we were like, well, we want to make this almost commonsensical to the point where you, the way we position all the messaging, the way we do all the things is almost so obvious that they go, oh my God, yeah, I can do that. that I, I can't believe I haven't been doing that before. And you're like, cool, so let's go do it. And there's a lot of neuroscience and a lot of deep research and a lot of academia that goes behind all the stuff that we talk about. But on the surface, when we have the facilitated conversations through the program, it's, it's all about, well, I'm just going to plant some, 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 some seeds or run some wires and turn some light bulbs on in your head. And during the course of doing this for a couple of years, we realized there were these five elements and the analogy we use is kind of like the old 1980s graphic equalizers on the front of your stereo. Oh yeah. And yeah. if you imagine, if you imagine a graphic equalizer with five dials um, and if you go into the negative zone with one of those dials, then you're leaning towards burnout. If you go into the positive zone in one of those dials, you're leaning towards high performance. So the, the scale is, is burnout to high performance. Mm -hmm. And 
those five elements were the concept of purpose. So do we have a purpose? And we break purpose down into, into what we call the purpose pyramid, which is four layers of purpose through my, the reason I was put on this planet, the purpose of my role, the purpose of my team and the purpose of this organization. Then we move into the concept of abundance. And this was a fantastic one because how many are, how many of us are basically running scared? How many of us are in the fight or flight reaction for 80% of our working day? There's not yes. enough funding. We're going to have to do a restructure. Our customers might not buy from us. Uh, my boss is going to tell me off. Uh, there's a whole mountain yes. of scary saber-toothed tigery type factors that we're scared. So we, we, we say in, in order to be, so you move from scarcity to abundance. The next one is connection. So we talked about connection previously. Am I connected to my business, my tribe, my plan, my team, my development? The, the fourth uh, area of research we did was around the concept of exploration or curiosity. So instead of being the person who is the hamster on the wheel doing the same thing day after day after day, are you trying new things? Are you exploring stuff? And we see that people who just do the same things with the same tools for 20 years and they want more um, or they're not allowed to do anything. That's, that's one of the significant contributors of burnout is a high accountability with a low um, low influence or responsibility mm -hmm. so i really want to make change but i'm not i'm not able to do it. it frustrates people so am i allowed to explore am i allowed to be curious then that gets people towards high performance and the final one is downtime which is how do i rest recover and make sure i do that in an effective way so we've got purpose abundance connection exploration and downtime and they land with the acronym of paste so the book is basically what is each of those things what does good look like? And then we finish every section um, of every chapter. There's three sections per chapter with some what we call action tips. Mm -hmm. So if you want to get your personal purpose really clear, here's the steps to follow to get that. If you want to connect your team with a development plan, here's the, here's the conversation map that helps you do that. So we called it a leader's playbook for building a high performance culture because it's not wow. just theoretical. It's down in the weeds of, say this, ask this, write this, your flip chart should look like this. Um, your output yeah. will probably have these three things in it. Here's what good looks like. Because again, when you're a really busy, really overloaded leader, you don't have the headspace to go and create this stuff. So you want a recipe book to follow? We made a recipe book for building a high performance culture. Wow. That's awesome. And, you, and it's so, so important too, like you said, to carry it all the way through to the point that not just explain what you want to do, but then give me examples or give me actually the template to use kind of thing so I can scribble it on a piece of paper while I'm walking, working with my team or whatever. Just so simple that it's, mm -hmm. I, I don't, like you said, I don't have the headspace to learn something new right now. I want to be told what to do. I'll execute it. And then we'll, we'll keep going. And make there. it seem obvious, right? So again, yeah, the, all the practice that we do is around um, neuroscientific framing and planting of concepts. So everything we do and the entire book is, is like a Russian nested doll. So every chapter fits into the next chapter. And you might have noticed that downtime is the last chapter of the book. Mm -hmm. And we often get challenged on this in it well surely if people are burning out signing them off on sick leave or sending them off for a vacation is is the solution right that people will recover and and that's what we do is a as a corporate entity in most businesses it's like oh somebody's burned out just sign them off for three months and they'll come back and they'll be okay and the argument that we always have is if there's a thunderstorm outside and you come in and dry off and then you go back out and it's still raining you're going to get wet 
And the same thing happens with downtime. You know, somebody's melt in full burnout. They go on vacation. Nothing has really changed. And they come back. They're going to be burned out again within weeks to months. So we deliberately leave downtime until the end of the book, because what we want to do is start with a foundational element, which is the purpose. And then we nest and build those building blocks towards high performance culture. That That's awesome, because I was just in a situation last fall where we were working with a client and, and people were talking about burnout. And we said, you know, our organization is not structured and that's what's causing structured appropriately. And that's, what's causing a lot of this, you know, the purpose, uh, you know, the connection, just a lot of things weren't there. Like you're, you've discussed and we purposely didn't, didn't go to, like you said, downtime until we, we took care of some of the other things in that corp in that corporation. And it worked, like you said, it, it, it actually curbed a lot of the burnout just by, people just having structure in their day and understanding what my purpose is. Like you said, my mm -hmm. purpose, my team's purpose and what we're doing rather than, you know, what is my purpose? That's a huge thing for people. And 100%. That, it's the biggest single differentiator is a clear sense of purpose. Because when you have a very clear sense of individual role, team and organizational purpose, that also then starts to overflow into things like priority, priority decisions, resource allocation decisions, um, staffing decisions, all of those mm -hmm. things, if you haven't got a very clear purpose. And what we normally find is we, we ask leadership teams, now, what's the purpose of this team? And they all write down their answers. And they're all within a couple of degrees of each other, but they're not quite aligned. And so over a period of time, if, we're in, if, if you and I are two degrees apart over time, right, we're going to end up quite a long way apart. Oh, yeah. And when it comes yeah. down to making that resource decision of, well, should we put funding into this or into this? You and I are going to be fighting over those resources because we both believe that our intention is fully on purpose. But in the reality, we're making slightly different decisions. It's like, you know, putting 10 mm -hmm. people in a boat. A couple of them are facing forwards. A couple are facing backwards. Two of them haven't got oars. Um, some of them don't even know what, what a boat is. And then expecting them to be an Oxford to Cambridge uh, in yeah. Oxford versus Cambridge, high-performance rowing team. It doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So when you come into these teams and, and these situations now, what are some of the common aspects that you see? Because there, I mean, there's a lot of high pressure, high, you know, where they just either, if they're not performing at a super high level, they're just not going to make it right. And what are some of the commonalities that you see before you start working with people? Yeah, great question. And, you know, before I even get to what do I see, I think it's really important to highlight that nearly every business that we work in is full of very passionate, very driven yes. um, people who genuinely are trying to do their best but they're yes. just like wading through treacle or they're running into walls. And so you know, this is not in any sense of form of disrespect to say what we see. This is, hey, we've just seen this a number of times and the patterns are there mm -hmm. and we can help. So the, the, I would say, you know, the common things we see coming up, uh, high turnover, people are just leaving the business and there's not enough talent in the market to be able to replace them. So you've then got, you know, 
Bob's covering three jobs and Rebecca's yeah. covering five jobs and, and, and people are just working around the clock and sacrificing their weekends it's and worse. evenings and they, it's getting worse and worse. We call it the spiral yeah. of death uh, because people are just doing more and more and more. The number of priorities that team is working on probably hasn't dropped because we're still catching up from COVID. So we've had to, you know, had to run to keep up through COVID and, and we ha- kind of haven't gone back to what we call peacetime leadership. We've, we've stayed in wartime leadership which is everybody rallied together and that wartime, you know, World War II bunker mentality is stuck with yeah. us and we just keep going in that sense. So we see a lot of that wartime style leadership, crisis leadership still happening. And that's good for a time, but people are tired. Mm-hmm. We, see, um, we see things that are inappropriate for the post-COVID, post-supply chain crash, um, processes, procedures, reporting, stuff that people don't even know why it's being done anymore. They just do it because it's always been done and somebody wants yeah. asked for it. So we do that. So we see a lot of superfluous work without real clarity of what can we strip away. And we do a great exercise in, in our prioritization is what's the purpose of everything you do. And yep. what we normally see is like, I'm really clear on the purpose and, and what it does. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm not really clear on the purpose, but I know, I know it's useful or somebody once told me to do this and I'm, I'm kind of just sticking with it until somebody says stop but I'll give up my weekends and I'll give up my evenings to make sure that happens at my own expense. We see those things. Um, We also see siloization um, is a really big one. So if those guys over there would just sort themselves out, we could do a good job Um, or, you know, we're all trying to work really hard, but those, those people in that team over there, they're just getting in our way Uh, or they never talk to us about stuff or they keep making mistakes or we never get the report in the right format we see a lot of that siloization and say, well, why don't you just go and talk to them? And why don't you just sit down and work it through and get on, put yourself in their shoes and see what they're seeing and find out what's happening for them. And maybe you can come to some common ground or some agreement. So we see siloization. We see um, people who are undertrained, quite frankly. The, Ooh, yeah. the, leaders, the leadership model that most of you and my generation were were brought up with was a 1990s, early 2000s leadership framework, which is predominantly based around let's standardize, let's make it efficient, let's get it optimized, uh, let's let's try and remove decision-making variability mm-hmm. and just like make things as you know, Six Sigma or as lean as possible. And yeah. the reality is the world is not operating like that now. We're, you know, it was COVID and then it's a war in Ukraine, then it's the supply chain shortage. And we're gonna have more and more and more and more of these things. So the reality is a lot of our leadership teams are not equipped with the toolkit to be able to lead their teams through these through these new com- levels of complexity that they haven't experienced before. They feel like they have to still lead by being the ideas person and the decision maker. They feel like they have to have all the answers because that's what they were told when they were brought up through through the leadership levels. And that's yeah. not the case anymore. So that we see a lot of that. Uh, and, and probably the final thing is it's just that massive sense of we can't fail because there's no jobs out there. The market's tight. So people hanging on probably longer than they should have done. And, 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 and it, it causing a real cost to their health, their livelihood and their relationships and their families. And so sometimes it's having that really honest conversation. You know, why are you still doing this? Why are you still here? And can we support you to do something different? It's mm-hmm. the end of the road for that person. They may be past burnout. They're already burned out and they just, they need a bit of a break to reset and recharge, but they're too scared because they have a mortgage to pay and they have kids to feed. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, and it's a situation I think a lot of people find themselves in from time to time too. You know, it's just a situational, 100%. but but not being able to get beyond that for the long term is where I think that you know, like you said, you can. I mean, you can fall over dead in your job if it's if your burnout's bad enough, you know. And and it's it's something that we really need to to take personal stock of or personal inventory of to to know when it's time to say no. That's for sure. Um, I so agree. And, you know, it's really humbling when you're having a conversation with a senior leader at an organization and their, 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 their decision-making state now is, I will try and get up tomorrow morning, but actually my life insurance payout might be better for my family. You know, that's the stage when these people get to that. Yeah. Like, wow. Okay. Um, my job is, has even more purpose now because my job is to keep you working and help you find a way through this without getting any worse. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> yeah. If you had a conversation, that's a, that's an eye-opening conversation to have, isn't it? Too many, unfortunately. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So when you see, so, so let's talk a bit about the ways of working. This is your facilitated high performance training. Let's talk about that a little bit to see, you know, just what it's about, how you're helping people with yeah. that. So I guess it, it was a couple of years in the making. Well, it's, it's probably been 20 years in the making, but a couple of years in the yeah. formation. The, the concept came from, from two pieces of work. Number one, I've spent a, a lifetime building leadership programs. And what normally happens on leadership programs is you take a leader out of their day job for a couple of days, up to a couple of months. And you know mm -hmm. they go to these workshops offsite with some of the leaders and they drink from a fire hose of content that's just rammed down their throat. You, know, you need to know this and this is the framework and this is the tool and these are the things you need to know. And they're feverishly taking notes. They're checking their emails in the break. They're watching the inbox get bigger. They know they've got to go back to work tomorrow with a day full of meetings. Mm -hmm. And they never have the headspace to assimilate this stuff that's taught to them. So what you normally get is a uh, some really great leadership program content, some fantastic operators in the marketplace who are delivering super cool stuff, but the leader doesn't have the ability to take that back to their own team, contextualize it for what are our problems and what are our issues in our team, what's real for us right now, and how do I use some of those things with a bit of support to, to, to get a solution? So in my mind, leadership development training is, is reasonably flawed because that's about 80% of what we see in the marketplace is go and cheap dip people through a course and, and then send them back to work and expect them to be better leaders. Yeah. The other piece that we saw from the other end of the scale was high performance team training, which is often run by former sports people and former athletes. And it's about, you know, setting goals and being you know, uncompromising in, um, in the pursuit of reaching those goals and, and I'm a kind of a hypocrite in, in, in one way because I was saying you know, it doesn't matter how tired you are, deliver. Uh, but yeah. the reality is you know, that's the, sort of the theme of high-performing teams programs. And again, to me, there was a bit of a gap because some of those teams, they don't have the capacity to do those things right now. And actually mm -hmm. what they need is to just get off the hamster wheel, to slow down for a day and be a little bit reflective and think and talk. So what we did was we created a program that does two things. It takes the leader and helps them to have those conversations with their team in their team's context. So uh -huh. we have a, a framework of what we call elements, um, but essentially they're little mini modules, activities, and we take them through these elements based on a diagnostic of what's the situation in their team. And it has one of two effects. It either validates the leader is already doing some really good stuff, so they feel good about themselves, they feel more confident to do more of that stuff. 
or it shows them the way. So it might be they say, look, I don't, I don't want to stand up in front of my team and lead a session. I don't know how to lead this conversation. I don't have enough trust with my team to be that vulnerable. So we support the leader through that process wow. and open up the conversation with the team. So the team starts to talk about things like, well, what does trust mean to us? And what is our purpose? And I want to share my opinion. And what does psychological safety look like here? And we just try and slow the tempo enough that we, I, I don't know how much you know about the neuroscience, but in our brains, there's like the problem solving TV channel, which is where we're go, go, go. And there's the, I'm standing in the shower and a bright idea came to me TV channel. And we want to activate that one where all the little dots get connected, all the little things start to join up in their minds and performance starts to come from those things. And we all know that we've all been out, you know, washing the dishes or walking the dog or in the, in the middle of a shower and we have that great bright idea or we solve that problem we've been trying to work on consciously for ages. Mm-hmm. We try and create that type of context for leadership teams to say, okay, let's just think about the things we really need to do that are going to make a difference and focus wow. on those and work out how we stop doing the things that aren't serving us or we can just turn them down or, or try and remove some of those conflicting priorities and say often it's that we don't even know why we're doing this. We're just doing it because somebody's asked for it one time and maybe it's relevant, maybe it's not. We're not really sure. So we just try and help teams through that journey. We have 38 elements that the team has access to normally a ways of working journey over the three modules that we do. First module is around alignment. Second module is around acceleration. Third module is around sustaining. Um, But essentially we choose about 12 to 15 elements out of those 38 that are particularly going to make a difference to that team based on their context. And the idea is that everybody walks out the end of the program going, wow, we really feel connected as a team. We're talking Mm -hmm. to each other. We're talking to other teams. We know what we're doing. We know why we're doing it. We know what difference that makes. Uh, We have some tools and and some skills that allow us to have tough conversations, that allow us to deal with biases that might crop up for us. And, And when things go wrong, We've got, some, we've got some, some agreed parameters as a team that we're going to work through to make sure that we don't descend into chaos or conflict. And, and that's what we want to try and avoid. Wow, so much good stuff in there, man. Because I'm you're, very you're, proud of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. Because first of all, just backing up, to get, get into a point to where you, the leaders and their teams can have a conversation where we get out of the 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 point that everyone's trying to be heard rather than taking the time like you said to listen to something reflect on it and then come back with with you know contribute to the conversation or the solutions that's cuz that's a that's a key point in in so many things that especially when you're when you're in a high pressure high stress kind of environment it's it's like we don't have time but that time like you said to slow down will allow you to speed up uh, when you do move forward it really does and the, i don't know if you've uh, you probably come across this research it was the boston consulting group did a fascinating piece of research on this and they you know boston consulting group consultants are famous for working yeah. long hours at high pace they're probably the archetypal burnout candidates and they did um they did a three-tier pilot they said one group group a you're going to keep doing what you do group b we want you to finish at 5 p.m at least once a week close your laptops go home do whatever you want to do uh group c we want you to finish at five o'clock every day and never work a weekend and there was obviously a lot of resistance from our client workers going to suffer Mm -hmm. and results are going to suffer 
obviously fast forward, we can all imagine what the result of the pilot was, is that Group C are actually outperformed Groups A and B yeah. by about 20% in terms of performance. Interestingly, the what I would call wraparound measurements were even more indicative that it was the right thing to do. So um, employee engagement was higher. Uh, uh, cholesterol and cortisol levels in their blood were lower. Their um, mental acuity to solve problems and be creative was higher. There was some fantastic data that basically said slowing down and giving yourself time to recharge and taking those micro downtimes, not just taking two weeks off, but actually saying, hey, I am going to shut the laptop at five o'clock tonight so I can go meet it with my friends and connect, important parameter, middle chapter Mm -hmm. of the book. Um, I can maybe just watch a bit of TV and let my subconscious do some work. I can maybe do some journaling. Those things make a big difference. So we try and encourage all of those principles through the whole ways of working program. So for example, very simple one, we ask people to leave their phones on the desk at lunchtime and just go and sit and look out of a window for 10 minutes. And then when they come back to the room, we say, what did you notice during those 10 minutes? And half of the group couldn't resist and they either stole their phones back or, or went and talked to people because they could get that business done over lunch, right? They could solve that problem yeah. or get that thing done. Those people who got to the end of, who, who came back from lunch and maybe had done the 10 minutes looking out the window, they said, wow, actually, like all these things just started to make sense. And you see, you see this happening. And for me, it's like, I know it's cool, right? Um, but for mm-hmm. them, it's that moment of, oh, okay, maybe, maybe the way I'm operating is not serving me as effectively as it might do. Yeah, yeah. That is so great. That is so great, you know, because like you said, a lot of us are taught in that 90s, 2000s kind of mentality of, you know, you got to just, you got to grind, you got to grind, 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 grind. you got to hustle hard. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you got to hustle hard and you got to do that. And, and, oh, personally too, I've, I've realized it too. You can, you can, like you said, the Boston Consulting Group, you can set reasonable boundaries around what you're going to do and you will get more work done, I believe, because like you said, you're refreshed. You're, the time when you're not working, your mind is still processing stuff in the background, even if you're just relaxing. And mm-hmm. I think that's a that's a big thing a lot of people don't realize, especially as you get move up into an organization. I always have told, and I've read it a long time ago, it says, hey, the higher you move in the organization, the more time you need to spend outside of it just thinking. And that is golden. Because if mm-hmm. you look at these people, these high performing people, and you wonder, well, why, why are they on sabbatical or why are they this or that? And it's because they're, they're letting the, these things marinate in their mind because it works beyond what we really even realize to solve the, the big problems, the big challenges. I completely agree. And this is nothing new. You know, this is no. nothing that we haven't seen before. You know, we can go back to Abe Lincoln. If I had 10 hours to cut down a tree, I'd spend nine hours sharpening the axe. You know, yes. so a perfect example, Daniel Kahneman's research on fast and slow thinking. You know, the, the heuristic quick decision might be good as a manager, but as a senior leader, there's a whole lot more ambiguity and other factors that, you know, may need to be considered. So slow thinking could serve you in that, that instance. And there's, there's multiple other pieces of research that support this stuff. Oh, yes. Yes. This is so great. This is so great. Well, Jimmy, I, I tell you, I'm, I'm looking through my notes. I think we, we could talk an awful long time before getting close to <laughs> close Because this is so great. I mean, because you are helping people actually get their lives back, like you said, you know, get their weekends and evenings back. And, and you know, probably in most of your cases, they have better results. And they still have their nights and weekends back. 
We, exactly that. So my goal is to keep you working initially, keep you, you able to function and give you some stuff you can do right now and then work with you to build towards high performance. So you get that, you know, maybe you've flatlined on your career. Maybe the team is not performing how you wanted it to. Maybe not hitting the targets like you used to. Maybe young and up and comers are coming up behind you and you're feeling a little bit threatened. My goal is to let let go of all that because we can we can do some really, really practical, tangible stuff that's yes. going to accelerate your performance and, and it's going to get you that promotion, that bonus, those, those results that you want, whatever it might be, get you noticed again in your mm-hmm. field. And I say, none of this stuff is rocket science. It's just knowing how to put it into practice. Yeah. So awesome. Well, Jimmy, if someone wants to get a hold of you, what's the best way to, to reach out? A um, couple of ways. Uh, we obviously have uh, LinkedIn is the way that you and I connected. So yeah. I'm very active on LinkedIn and always happy to have a, have a conversation about, as you can see, I'm a complete nerd for this stuff. So if you've got questions, happy to answer them. We're awesome. on, on the website, jimmyburrows.com. And we're also uh, available in the Ways of Working podcast. So we have yes. a podcast. Oh, I forgot to say about that. Experts on. Yep. Yeah, no, tell us about your podcast. So we have, you missed that. So the podcast is essentially me nerding out with people who I think are super nice. interesting about super interesting subjects. And what we, again, we take this principle of, People are looking for the performance edge. They're looking for that little thing that they can walk into the the leadership team meeting and say, ladies and gentlemen, we should be thinking about this. So each week I invite on a guest who has a particular area of expertise and we talk about a subject that I think is super cool and we just literally nerd out on it. So it could be, um, have you considered uh, employing neurodiverse consultants because they have different pattern recognition and programming skills in your technology team? Have you considered building a coaching culture? How are you using data in the same way that Formula One teams use data? Uh, have you uh, employed some of the Navy SEALs principles of grit? So we just have like very, very cool people, world yeah. authorities in their fields, and they come on and we nerd out for 35 minutes. And the, the Ways of Working podcast is, uh, is, is pretty new. Like we've only been going for five months. And it's already charting and, and we're really, really proud of the people that are starting to reach out to us to say, hey, can we come on the podcast? So oh, I feel very humbled man. that I get to I get to have access to people like that to have cool conversations. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. Well, Jimmy, thanks. Thanks for being here today. And I want to thank the people listening. Say thanks for being out there. Thanks for uh, evangelists for being here today and vet automation thanks for dropping the comments in here and i really want to thank everyone that's listening uh that wasn't able to comment to be here today and thank you so much jimmy for be here being here hold on just for a minute and we will shut down for now thank you awesome thanks damon appreciate it